to Going Mutts with the Little Black Dog Rescue Group. Join hosts Sarah and Erin each week as we dive into all things rescue, dogs, and the dog parent life. The Little Black Dog Rescue Group is a DC area-based, all-volunteer, all-foster-based dog rescue. Our goal is to help any abandoned, mistreated, or abused dog find the best possible home in the DC area regardless of breed, color, or size. We strive to achieve this goal with compassion, transparency, and a strong sense of responsibility to our dogs, applicants, volunteers, foster families, and supporters. Read more about what we do at www.thelittleblackdog.org. All right, welcome back to Going Let's. This week, we welcome Bailey to our podcast. Welcome, Bailey. Hi. Yay! All right. What kind... So, all right. Sorry, I'm just going to jump into what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> we have a script. Did Bailey get the script? I did that. She got the questions, which is pretty much what we have this time around. Because we're not the script to other people that we invite on the show. <laughs> we like it to be a surprise. There will be a rapid fire question section. Okay. You just have to answer. Okay. First, first answer that comes to mind. I did just hit myself in the face as I'm expressively saying this. I didn't respond to it except that I said it out loud. All right. One of the questions that we're asking everyone is if you were a dog, what kind of dog would you be? Can I give a controversial? I know you had time I have to think had time to think about it and I've thought about it all day. And I'm going to give a controversial answer and say that I wouldn't be a dog. I would be a cat. <laughs> Which I know. I know. Okay. I love this answer. I love this answer. This is yes. one of my favorite answers. Yes. I sort of agree with you. Except that you do seem to love dogs quite I, a bit. I, yeah, I love both. And I, I have one of each. I started with a cat. His name is Fritz. I adopted him as a kitten five years ago. So he was my first Aww. child. Um, and then before we adopted Fergie, our dog, I fostered cats for a year. Um, oh, all yeah. of my siblings are cat people. I did not grow up in a cat family. I just sort of fell into, you know, the cat mom life. And so now I sometimes I feel like um sometimes I feel like a cat person who has a dog, but I don't think that's accurate because I don't it's not like I don't love Fergie as much or more than I love Fritz. I but I do think that I I think I connect more with a cat's personality than I do with dogs. But I mean, all of my volunteer efforts now are with a rescue that, you know, exclusively rescues dogs. So I think my biases have changed a little bit over the last few months, but up until probably last year, I would have said I am definitely a cat person. All right, Erin, what did I say? What did we say that Bailey was? I can't remember. We talked about this earlier. I agree with you. Love a controversial Irish answer. Irish I'm a cat person. I did just cover Max full face. <laughs> Irish setter. Yes. All right. So, couple of reasons. Is it the red hair? You have wavy yeah. hair. That was part of it. The other, like, major part is you point things out when they need to be corrected, <laughs> <laughs> and they are a pointer type dog. <laughs> I think other part, like they, they're also like there are other great qualities. They're intelligent. They're little go-getters of dogs. They're medium activity. They love their people. Uh, they tend to be like family dogs, very family household oriented. 
Uh, I don't know that quality to be true about you, but it feels I true. think it's, yeah, that feels like a very <laughs> I don't live accurate, in your house. That's why I'm yeah. saying that, but I'm going to assume that. I'd say that's a very accurate assessment. I don't know that I've ever met an Irish setter. I've seen pictures of them. I wanted one when I was a kid because my um, dad and my two aunts had one growing up, and they said that it was a wonderful family dog, um, but... I always wanted one and then you know i grew up and realized that they're they're not that common and so they're not they're really not my little also you're a rare breed girlfriend you're good at bios you volunteer that's not everybody in the whole world <laughs> we're not drowning in volunteers <laughs> over here you've hung around for a while uh so i am glad that you accept the breed <laughs> designation that we have lovingly bestowed upon Thank you. Yes, that'll be my, if I do have to give two answers, I would say I'm primarily a cat. If I had to choose a dog, that would be the dog that I choose. Not that it's important, but I do agree <laughs> with you. <laughs> <laughs> so Bailey, you're one of our few volunteers. I think a few, one of a few volunteers that actually span multiple teams at the rescue so you're on the creative team with me. You write all of our bios. You're on the foster team as a placement coordinator. And you also help out with collecting information ahead of transports. So I think it would be great to talk a little bit about how you got involved with the rescue and how you ended up being kind of the rescue's jack of all trades. The short answer to that is that people asked me to help and I said yes. Um, <laughs> the, the long... <laughs> Um, the longer answer is that when we adopted Fergie and I was no longer able to foster cats anymore, I suddenly had, um, I wouldn't say quite a bit of free time because all of a sudden we were, you know, training a 12 week old puppy. Um, but I suddenly had like a volunteer free time and I talked to Fergie's foster Colette and I was like, you know, I, I'm now looking for a new kind of organization to support. So does Little Black Dog have a need for volunteers? This is what I did when I was fostering cats um, because I foster with the Humane Rescue Alliance and the fosters are in charge of writing their own bios for the animals that they foster. Um, well, we try to do that, but I mean, people are like, this dog is fine. <laughs> right. And I, I mean, you can see that on the website for HRA. If you were to go through the page um, of all the animals that are up there, there, I mean, it ranges the whole spectrum. Some of them are very, very good. And some of them are exactly what you said. It's like a couple of sentences. Uh, they weren't very consistent, um, which is why I kind of volunteered my services when I said like, this is what I, this is what I do. This is what I can help. I can help with any content creation or copywriting or social stuff. And so I started as a bio writer. And then um, I think it was Sophia who reached out about being a placement coordinator. And since I'd already had experience on the foster side of things, it was sort of a natural transition to jump to the more facilitating foster relationships instead of doing the actual fostering, because there's a lot of overlap between the roles. Um, as an HRA foster, we scheduled our own meet and greets. We wrote our own bios. We kind of, um, the HRA equivalent of a foster a placement coordinator would check in once a week-ish to ask for updates. Uh, so I was really, I was 
generally familiar with the process. And so stepping into the placement coordinator role was sort of a natural extension of my past volunteer experience. Um, and then the transport role was again, just a situation where people asked for help and I said yes. So now I just kind of jump in whenever they need me to, you know, send emails or take notes or find out any information on um, any of the incoming transport dogs. I, I think that, well, first of all, I mean, then you are exactly the kind of volunteer, the kind of person that we want to volunteer with us, which is a person that is here for anything. What do you need help with? I'm here to do it. Uh, that is amazing. And we could not appreciate you more for that. Uh, I think that Thank the you. other part, of, like, it makes so much sense. I didn't know your HRA background. <laughs> I probably should have a little bit more. I. Uh, I appreciate the way that the fact that you write bios across the board with like the kind of available information that fosters provide, uh, having rescue experience, cats, dogs, birds, monkeys. If there was a monkey rescue, I would not even be here. I never would have started a dog rescue. I'd have a million monkeys in my house and I'd be a monkey hoarder. <laughs> <laughs> I would be, that's true. You just keep them all. It'd probably be small because I don't want my face ripped off. <laughs> what am I talking about? Doesn't matter. Moving on. <laughs> bio writing is how dogs get adopted. An appealing bio, a bio that has like the right information, is the thing that appeals to people. That's how they connect with dogs. Other than pictures, oh, I'm I'm gonna steal a question from Aaron. Oh, sorry. No, I remember what I was going to say. I was going to say that the placement coordinator role is how you learn our processes. 100%. You get FaceTime with the foster. They're responsible for so much of what we do. And they're so frontline, frontline volunteer, talking to fosters, facilitating meet and greets. Uh, there is, I, I try to make sure we don't have limitations on our volunteers. So like in terms of access to adoption applications, if someone's vouching for an adoption applicant, a foster applicant, I wish people had to vouch for fosters. <laughs> I wish that <laughs> this foster applied, please approve them. I wish that was a problem we had. Let's make that problem we have. The whole world that's listening. Nope, the whole world is not listening. Um, I, I am ready for help that is being offered the little black dog is ready for help that's being offered and you do a great job of offering help where help is needed for sure. And we very much yeah, appreciate, I that. appreciate that. Uh, bios and profiles are a big, big part. Erin, I'm sorry, I'm stealing this from you. A big part of what makes okay. dogs appealing to people. Can you tell us a little bit more about that process and how you go about writing a profile for a profile, a bio for a dog? based on the information that you have. How do you make them marketable is going to be the word I use. Appealing to adopters. No, I think, I mean, I think it is marketing, right? Like you were, I think selling sounds too transactional. So I don't know if that's the right word, but you're, you're essentially marketing something that is available for adoption and in the hopes that somebody will see that dog and want to take them home. Like there is a certain element of marketing to it. Um, you're painting a picture of a dog and hoping that that resonates with somebody who's looking for whatever you have to offer. Um, 
So when I'm writing any bio, I always start by just reading all of the notes that I have available to me. So whether it's the, the notes from the Texas rescue partner, the notes from the foster, any Slack conversations or photo updates that have been made, any anything that's been like reposted on Instagram. Um, if I'm writing a bio for a dog that I'm a placement coordinator for, that's usually the easiest just because I'm talking directly to the foster wow. every day. So even if they haven't sent in very good notes, I can just text them and be like, hey, you know, <laughs> Woody, like, what's he like? Does he, is he good with cats and kids? What are his favorite toys? What's his personality like? What's your favorite placement coordinator question uh, to ask to get a feel for the personality of a dog? Do you have a good, like, nuanced question? No, I probably should. I'm just like, I usually text them the first day and I'm like, please feel free to send me any pictures that you take over the next couple of days. And as they start to settle in, like, I'd appreciate if you sent me anything you notice about like his personality as, you know, they get comfortable around you. I guess I probably should think of a question because that would be a good thing to have handy. You're fine. But I don't it's have that. I mean, technically we'll probably <laughs> cut out your note, so don't have to turn over. Uh, okay. What do you think is like the most important thing to include? Like, how do you get people on the hook with a bio? What What are your top tips for bio writing? I like, I really like including the sort of fun, quirky information yeah. that sets a dog apart from any other dog. So um, one of the dogs that's coming in this week, the sisters, Fiona and Jasmine, mm -hmm. one of the two of them, it says on their Texas notes that they absolutely like freaking love baby carrots. And Jasmine. so when I was writing her bio, I said, Jasmine loves baby carrots and human companionship in that order. And it's just <laughs> like, I try to find the sort of personality notes that would set apart a dog apart from another dog. I also think that if you were a human baby carrot, you win. You yeah. win. Yeah. Deal done. Yeah, exactly. Foster adopt complete. <laughs> exactly. Um, a baby carrot human. So I think, yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I, I also think that everybody, not maybe not everybody, I would assume that most people probably want dogs that are like friendly with people and other dogs. So I try to, put all the most important information at the very well, beginning very of the bio yeah. so that the first two or three sentences that you read is like the best stuff. So are they friendly? Do they have like a funny quirk about their personality? Are they absolutely like the cuddliest, most affectionate dog ever? Um, I try not to put any, um, sorry, okay. no, dog barks are acceptable. Cat meows are also acceptable acceptable be included um, in i try to for <laughs> um i try to sort of create <gasps> no ma'am i know here go find it go find it um i try to create almost a hierarchy with the dog bios that i write so it's like here's who the dog is here's their basic information if their their age, their breed, mm -hmm. any sort of basic information, then the best parts about their personality. Mm -hmm. Right. And then if there's any sort of um, concerns or areas that will require more attention, I 
try to put that towards the bottom just seriously i yeah i don't i don't want to i try to i try to make like a sandwich Mm -hmm. like i start with something good i put any of the sort of concerns in the middle but then i end with like an optimistic perfect family like yeah Mm -hmm. so if a dog is still making progress on their leash manners i'd say something about their personality i'd say you know Susie is still working on her leash manners. She gets really excited on walks. She would benefit from a patient loving family who has time to like work with her on that and help her be the best dog that she can be. Because and you don't you obviously don't want to ever scare anybody away from wanting to adopt a dog. Wanting to try. Um, right. And so I think I try to position any sort of um, any notes that could be easily taken as something to be nervous about i try to kind of soften the information and present it in a way that makes it seem um as something that shouldn't be like a deal breaker yeah and i i mean it it, it can be difficult to do that depending on what the note is but i that's what i always try to do is make a positive sandwich present the dog in the best light possible and try to prioritize any information that makes them distinct from any of the dozens and dozens of other dogs that are you know up for adoption in the area that right. they could possibly choose absolutely from. and i think you do a very good job of representing the positive side of dogs while also being realistic yeah honest and realistic yeah. uh, while not right. limiting potential adopters because that's and that's a very very right. hard balance to find what is your okay. favorite do you have like a favorite kind of bio to write I'm going to answer my own question, but after you, and I'm going to ask Aaron the same question because I think Aaron's wrote some, written some bios too. Do you have a favorite bio that you've ever uh, written slash bio to write? I don't know if I have a favorite. I love when there's any sort of opportunity to make a joke. Like if a dog has a name that it's really easy to make a play on words about, or if their personality lends itself to making some sort of you know, wisecrack. I always try to take that opportunity. Um, uh, A good example of that would be Hoppy's puppies. They're all named after beer. Mm -hmm. And so I say that they're all like pint-sized puppies. Oh my God. That's so good. Holy moly. Where have you said this? Because it's adorable. Is it in their bios? Holy moly. Yeah, it should should be in their bios by now. I submitted it yesterday. Look at them immediately. All right. Uh, so it sounds like being punny is part of your process. I'm a hundred percent on board with you. Do you prefer like an age of puppy? You like puppies? Do you like any dog that has a name that can associate with a characteristic? I think puppies could actually be harder to write about because they're so young that until a certain point, they don't have, I don't want to say they don't have a personality, but I You're think right. that dogs start to develop <laughs> unique personalities as they age and up to a certain point, like all puppies are kind of the same, puppies are lengthy. right? Like yep. the, they're going to eat and sleep and poop and play with each other and probably bite your fingers, but there's not really anything that makes one puppy all that different from another puppy until they get older. And they will be and as good as you make their them. Own personality. As you support right. them in being, that's what I mean. Right. So I think it's easier to write about older dogs that have a few days, at least a few days to 
you know, settle into foster care just because we have more material to work with. Um, but puppies can be hard because, you know, they're puppies. They're very cute. And that is a selling point for a lot of people because it's, it's easy to market a puppy if you have a very cute picture of them. If somebody's but looking for a puppy, like a and very true. Do you yeah. have an eight, like a group of dogs that you prefer to rate bios for? In terms of like age anything. or anything, like, like, are you, is it just the ones that the fosters are providing good, unique kind of descriptions of? Because that helps you. I either foster, either the foster or the Texas rescue. If it's okay. the dogs who have been with, well, regardless point. of Maybe where carrots, they yep. are. <laughs> yeah. I think that sometimes the Texas rent fosters leave even better notes than the DC fosters. And I think that it just kind of depends on who the foster is. So I think any dog that has a foster that takes a lot of notes is, you know, is setting me up for success because it, without meeting the dog myself, I can't really, yeah, it's harder. I can't no. write something out of nothing. Yep, I very much yeah. appreciate that fact. Erin, do you have a, a kind of like an age of dog or a, a dog in particular that you like to write bios for? Um, I would honestly agree with Bailey. Um, the puppies are hard. Uh, I feel like I, you know, they're just, they're, even with Feta, like Feta was just like, and I loved Feta, but she was like just a puppy. Like, I don't know that there's anything super unique about her um, from a bio perspective, like in a way that I could communicate via a bio. So I think the adult dogs with more information, um, I also love the opportunity to be punny. I also don't think I do it very well very often. So when I do it and I think it's good, I think I'm hilarious. Not me, but you too. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm hilarious whenever I make it work. Um, so I would agree on that. The older dogs, yeah. I, I think same across the board, except... Senior dogs are so easy for me to write bios for because I go off of they're set in their ways. So whatever they are, house trained, crate trained, good with other dogs, good with kids. I know that it's not going to be adjustable necessarily, <laughs> probably. This is my same like grandparents get a pass mentality for sure. And I'm just now realizing it. So it's almost certainly not appropriate either, but they feel more settled in their ways. And also, uh, I go off of what they look like. So punk rock grandma for uh, lovey, when I came up with that, I was like, I'm a genius. I'm a genius. <laughs> she's old. She's got a mohawk. She's a punk rock grandma. <laughs> Morty, I loved writing Morty's bio. <laughs> R.I.P. Morty, we loved you. Your adopter loved you. Your foster loved you. Love you, Morty. Uh, I love writing a senior dog bio with my whole friggin' heart. I also love a name pun and get very disappointed in myself when I don't come up with that personally. <laughs> Pine-sized puppies. I was deterred enough by these dogs have beer names and I can't do that. <laughs> I don't drink beer. I feel like, yeah, it is too hard. I can't do it. Pine-sized puppies. Genius. Genius. All right, quickly, we're going to move on. What do you do professionally? Bailey, what do you do professionally? And how do you, how do you, how does that help with your rescue work? It doesn't have to directly align, but how do you like kind of see the carryover into the, the role you serve in the rescue? 
I mean, that's an easy question because I'm a full-time copywriter. So my job oh. is to write. So I would say it's not hard to draw the correlation between what I do for my job and what I do for Little Black Dog just because I'm doing the same thing. Um, it's just my uh, Little Black Dog rescue work lets me be a lot more creative just because it's it's more fun, I would say. What did you want to do? What was the first job you remember wanting as a kid? This is another question that we should just include, Erin, because I'm going to ask everybody. <laughs> I wanted to be an author. Like I wanted to write books. And so Who's your favorite author? Who was I your favorite author they... as a kid? Was it Dr. Seuss? <laughs> uh no, my mom read a lot of Shel Silverstein books Ooh. to us. Oh. So, um, the little black dog is it'd a probably be no, Shel Silverstein um, story. I take it back. Continue. <laughs> it would probably be that. But I wanted to be a, a an author and then I got a marketing degree and didn't have any ideas for books. And so I went into writing, copywriting instead. And I think that it is still a very useful application of stuff that I'm good at. All right, we're gonna move on to our rapid fire question section. These questions are nonsense. Answer them fast. Okay. Short, fast answers. Don't have to, like, if you, Regret your answer. Just say it out loud and we'll figure it out. Erin, I'm going to let you start. Let's do tag team. Okay. And then I'll stop when we're already stopped. You start. Okay. First question. Morning person or night owl? Uh, morning person. Second question. Have you ever been in a fist fight? No. Have you ever been in, what was like the most extreme fight you've ever been in? Um... I don't think I've ever been in an extreme. Okay. Here, have you, are you a morning person or a night owl? Round table, rapid fire questions, by the way. Except Erin and I have had, Erin sent me her questions in advance. <laughs> yes. So I you have know. an advantage. Only one. Uh, I'm a probably night morning owl. person. Both, depending on what my schedule is. <laughs> I am a, I am a all-nighter adult if need be not by oh, like not for a while and my brain suffers as a result <laughs> Aaron have you ever been in a fist no my sister got sucker punched and that's the closest she's ever been to a physical fight I always say that if anyone ever does anything to Loki I will fight them and I think I would I win that because I, I would be like adrenaline I would be so embarrassed if I lost so embarrassed <laughs> yes yeah uh all right have you ever used a fax machine i think so i think i've had to fax something before i think i used there's an app where you can scan stuff with your phone but you can send it on a fax not the same thing and I've done that. <laughs> oh, okay then my answer okay <laughs> this is how so i there was I, I used to work when i worked at the oregon procurement organization 12 years ago at least uh i there was a coworker that i had that was like three years younger than me and he had never used a fax machine and he came to me and said can you show me how to use the fax machine and i said so this is where the gap is isn't it <laughs> <laughs> so it's a funny question i ask because i'm old enough to have to have had used a fax machine before <laughs> Aaron, have you? i have also yes i have used a fax I think, machine remind me how old so. you are. 
Doesn't matter, but doesn't. I'm 31. Right, I think you're. I think 30. I'm 38. I just turned 38. I think three years is like right there when stuff started to like that kind of requirement in the workforce started to fall away. I think it might be an ages question that we shouldn't include, but I don't mean it that way for what it's worth. <laughs> All right. Your question, Erin. Uh, what is a current trend that you don't understand? TikTok in general. <laughs> How is it different than the thing that came before it, which was the music lip syncing crap app that I don't remember the name of that I know is a like a transition from that because I did the other one and all of my videos from that transition to this one, to TikTok. I don't understand why TikTok is a thing. Why can't it just be Instagram? And why can't Instagram just be Facebook? <laughs> what do you guys got? Uh, mine is, mine is um, the non-skinny jeans, like the mom jeans. Totally they, like, I don't feel like they're attractive on they're anybody. And they can't figure out what uh -huh. shoes to wear. <laughs> like, I don't know what shoes to wear. I can't wear my ankle boots anymore with these jeans. So horrible on me. Horrible. I hate it. I hate it. I'm very mad about it. Disappointing. <laughs> okay, Bailey. Uh, a trend that I don't understand is the resurgence of the sort of early to mid thousands fashion choices. So if you kind of like resurrected Limited Two and Justice and um, tube tops and sort of yep. skirts that could be worn as shirts, those are now available in Target. Um, Oh my god. And I don't understand why that's coming back because I didn't particularly think they were all that cute when they were in fashion and now they're kind of coming back full circle. I love the tube top. I love tube top. Loved them. I was a tube top wearer. You should, you should go uh -huh. I <laughs> Loved it. There's a snake in your kitchen. Who do you call for help? Uh, my boyfriend. Aaron? There's a snake in your kitchen. Who do you call for help? I do. Evan. <laughs> That's why I asked that question. <laughs> nope. I can't handle snakes. They're, they're like, ugh. I have had two opportunities to be brave with snakes. Both of them were in a job. It was at the Oregon Procurement Organization that I've already talked about this episode. It was in North what? Carolina. And they were babies. They were like, literal. if they were curled up, they wouldn't be bigger than a quarter. Baby size snakes. Cookies or brownies? Cookies. What kind of cookie? Chocolate chip. Erin, what kind of cookie? Well, Brown sorry, Erin, cookies or brownies? You're a brownie person. Yeah. Brownie. <laughs> I am a brownie person. Because How did you know that? ask cookies or brownies. Because <laughs> obviously <laughs> cookies, but if not cookies. Oh my God. I know. Controversial opinion. <laughs> uh, or I think that is. Oh, okay. Last question. Last question. We ask this to everyone, and it's really important that you know the answer. Why are you like this? Blame my mother. Oh my God. Okay, so I stopped myself from asking, do you think you're turning into your mother? I just stopped myself from asking this. Oh, no, it's not that. I'm becoming the opposite of my mother. But okay, great explanation. How I am the way that I am, yeah. I think it's funny to ask this very honest, like, 
sweet question. Tech, I mean, why are you so lovely? <laughs> is technically the heart of this question, but in a judgy tone, it sounds real mean. <laughs> I'm entertained by it. We appreciate everything you do. It helps Thank all the dogs so that get saved by the little black dog. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm happy to help. I am very happy being a volunteer here, so I have no intentions of going anywhere. Thank God. <laughs> Thank dog. <laughs> all right, Erin. Yep. So before we sign off, I want to flag a few important updates. One, our last transport arrived over the weekend. <laughs> So check out all the pups so on our fun. website. Check out all our social media accounts for updates. Um, we'll be posting all about them. I will have my new foster. Bailey will be posting bio Stay tuned. after bio after bio. <laughs> yes. Um, we're also going to have an adoption event at Port City Brewing Company in Alexandria on Saturday, April 23rd from 1 to 4 p.m. There is also a puppy yoga with some of our many, 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 many puppies at District Dogs, new location in Northeast D.C. on Sunday, April 24th. Tickets are required to attend, but you can find the link to buy tickets and RSVP in the episode notes. And as always, you can sign up for our email updates and you can donate on our website, thelittleblackdog.org. Again, that's thelittleblackdog.org. We are DC, Maryland, and Virginia-based rescue. If you've hit Connecticut, you've gone too far. Please donate if you can. Please, please, please. Ooh, Max says please. Aaron say please. Bailey say please. Please. <laughs> Bailey say please. Please, 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 please. please. And until next time, from the bottom of our little black hearts, thanks for hanging out with us.